This week on America or Milo the Show, we go over Snow Way Out, Teacher Feature, Picture Day, Agent D.O.G., and of course, the Phineas and Ferb Effect crossover. We also discuss Bob Block, Milo's birthday, and is Norm planning a robot takeover? Find out this week on America or Milo. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Miracle or Milo podcast, the podcast for all things Phineas and Ferb and Milo Murphy's Law on Disney Channel, even though it's currently not airing in the U.S. Mm-hmm. That's right. Yeah, it's not coming out here, but thankfully we have episodes from other parts of the world to talk about. So this podcast is going to be for all things Dwampyverse. If, you, if you're watching this, you probably already know what the Dwampyverse is because Milo Murphy's Law is so connected to Phineas and Ferb but with such a small fan base, and that is incredibly sad. So, I'm Jonathan, and I'm from Phineas Funds Law, and I'm here with my co-host. Rachel, uh, you may know me as I Make My Luck 4 from Twitter. And uh, we're here to just talk about many things in the Milo Murphy's Law and Phineas and Ferb universe. So, Rachel, how did you get to become a Phineas and Ferb and Milo Murphy's Law fan? I was just scrolling through YouTube one day, and I saw the video pop up in my feed for the first episode and thought, that looks familiar. So I clicked in because I was kind of interested and watched through the first episode. And like immediately just, I loved it. <laughs> like my whole family, because I'm like, this is so good. And it's like, I never knew Weird Al or anything. So when I brought up who the name of the guy was, the brother was like, are you kidding me? And I just had this blank stare because I'm like, I don't know what the big deal is. He was like freaking out. Yeah, I was exactly the same. I had no clue who Weird Al is. My parents, or who he was, my parents, they knew who he was too, but I was just like, what? But I liked, I liked the first episode. I actually had a, uh, a friend, he would, he would post like stuff on his Snapchat about, oh, this is a great show, Milo Murphy's Law. And I was like, haha, that's funny. I like Phineas and Ferb a lot and you like Milo Murphy's Law. And then I like, you saw the free episode on YouTube and then I was hooked. It was and like, you- Really, no. it's just really good at getting the point across. Sorry. Yeah, no. Did you get to watch it in order when you started? I think I did. Because if you mean the whole thing with the sunny side up being mixed up with it, because I watched it online, I didn't have that problem. And no, I mean, like, uh, in, like, in story order. Yeah, I think I did. Because I ended up just having to watch the clips online at first because we didn't have anything. Like Disney okay. now, we, we have it now. Um, yeah, no, I was not so fortunate. I was like, okay, I want to see how this connects to Phineas and Ferb. So I looked up the plot episodes and it was like Missing Milo and Fungus Among Us. So I said, all right, I'll just jump straight into Missing Milo. <laughs> so I watched the premiere and then I was like, all right, we'll just go straight. I was so lost. I had no clue what was happening. I, was, I think it'd still be fun, but yeah, I would imagine you were lost. Yeah, it was. it was just one of those where it was like, I love it. And I love the style and I love the the whole thing, but I just need to back up. <laughs> it was going way too fast. Probably had no idea who Cavendish and Dakota were. Yeah, I I'm, I was like trying to imagine like, you know, because what I was thinking, because now I know so much, it's hard to kind of go back and think to, well, what, what, was, it, what was I thinking at that point? I was, I was fascinated by pistachio things, I know. Because I was like, oh, live pistachios. That's real. Yeah, we... 
like my whole family thought that was funny. I didn't like when you go and you tell people because I try to tell people about the show and talk to them and then they get to the point where it's like and they have to battle these sentient pistachios. They'll stop and they'll give me this look because they're like, what? So let's go ahead and get to our first segment, episode of the week. So this week's episode of the week is actually going to be going the extra Milo because today is a special holiday. What is it? It is Milo's two-year anniversary. That's right. So it's Milo's two-year anniversary. We're actually recording on his birthday, even though it's this. you won't be hearing this until a little bit later. Uh, so going the extra Milo was the first episode. We kind of touched on it earlier, but what a fantastic start to the show. It, it catches your attention, doesn't it? Yeah, I was like curious the whole way around because I was like, why are they being so cryptic? But at the same time, I'm like just having fun listening to Milo and everything he says pretty much in the way he says it. Yeah, I, I think like the whole with what they did with the opening before the theme song, I thought that was really smart because it let you kind of, you know, get to know the characters. Whereas with Phineas and Ferb, it was just the theme song and everything's there versus Milo. You get a little two minute nutshell of the premise before, you know, you get to the theme song. Speaking of a theme song, I played that so many times the first time I heard it and watched through all the animation because that was so amazing to me. It is an amazing theme song. Oh my goodness. The animation, like, I think it's, it's definitely at least in my top three theme songs, if not, if not the top. I kept like going back and looking at all the characters because I was wondering how some of them would come into play. Yeah, there's just, there's so much to look at there. I think almost every major plot point from the season is touched on within the opening credits. I know we got hints, just episodes in it. In, or in a poster at least kind of to me of like a, f- a future episode like yeah the last codes which is cool to me but yeah kind of getting off a little bit there just yeah because now now that we're in season two it's like okay well now some of the things that the characters did you know even in the title sequence like i think amanda's apprehension towards milo has definitely cooled you know the title sequence something breaks and she's just like totally afraid but not so much now yeah, and I, that is one of my favorite developments for a character so far. For sure. Yeah, I think it's really cool. And I hope if this show does get a season three, that they do a little theme, a theme song update for the animation to kind of, you know, match where the show is. That would be awesome. Like maybe add like an alien spaceship flying above the top or something along those lines. There are a lot of fun things I could do with that. There's going to be like so many more animals. Oh, I would. Okay, so keep everything that they have already and just add more chaos. That would be so crazy. Oh my gosh. <laughs> you wouldn't be able to see anything. It would, yeah. Try and fit every single character development from the first and second season and somewhere into the theme song. Have like King Pistachion chasing like baby versions of his kids going one way as Cavendish and Dakota go with the pistachio cart the other way. And then throw in like the aliens like maybe attacking the government guys and then like Melissa yelling at Chad somewhere in the earlier part of the theme song. (laughs) There was something else I was thinking about. It was like so good. That would have been so good to add on, but then I lost it. Oh man. Yeah. There's yeah. The theme song just it's yeah, it's amazing. But as for the rest of going the extra Milo, I mean, it's a really solid episode. The undergrounders, it's okay. It's not, it's not my favorite, but the going the extra Milo part was definitely just really well done. Sometimes I skim that episode 
the undergrounders like that segment because I'm like I just kind of want to watch going the extra mile right now because I agree yeah. it it was a little bit better but I will that- always love the DOG thing with he shall the floppy eared one shall be our leader yes I- that was that was a great setup and you kind of have to watch that episode because of all the Scott jokes and things that you know obviously occur throughout the season yeah if I were to pick a favorite Scott joke, it would probably be the one where he comes up out of the sewers as Elliot's shouting rain and, like, puts his hand out. That's probably yeah, he, he's checking to see if it's rain. Yeah, that's good. That's good. I think he's actually voiced by Scott Peterson, but he's never in the credits. So he's voiced by one of the writers. Yeah, I think I remember seeing that. Who just really likes his character. We're yeah. going to go ahead and get on to reviewing. I think we should start with the crossover. Season one's a little bit too far back but the crossover the Phineas and Ferb effect came out fairly recently and it's been in English for a while so I'd say about you know 50% of the world has it because you know the U.S. is clearly 50% of the world so and we're the only ones who don't have it so what did the crossover do that that you expected like what, what were some of the things that you like you thought the crossover was going to do and it pretty much it did it one thing I did really expect was the Quirky, worky song. I believe that's what it was called. Yeah, it never gets old, though. Yeah, I was, like, really happy when I heard that again. I was like, yes, it's 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 Phineas and Ferb. It's coming back. Even though at that point they'd already been in it for a good while. Uh, and then they devoted most of the actual building of the robot to just, like, essentially, like, three cuts. And then, oh, all done. Like, bum, bum, bum. And then the end. I expected the crossover to you know, have that uh, DOG Perry team up. So, I mean, I, I, I anticipated that, but I didn't anticipate them randomly disappearing during the finale to go who knows where. Did, did you notice that? I didn't. I didn't notice that. So, like, they take down a pistachion, and then they, like, they make sure that you see that Milo, uh, Phineas, and Ferb's eyes are all closed. So, you know, obviously they're not going to see Perry's identity. Then they come around the corner, and he's like, this is our pet platypus. He doesn't do much. And then uh, Perry puts back on his hat. He kind of motions to Yoji, you know, come this way. And then we don't see them again for the rest of the episode. I didn't even think about that. Yeah, it was out over my head. I thought that was like a total lead into Yoji is going to become an agent. But I, I'm just like, well, where did Perry? Did did he not want to fight more pistachios? Did he just where Perry? Yes, that that is the question that I was asking. A lot of people were asking that throughout most of that episode yeah like during pressure yeah people and were like why didn't he go after doofenshmirtz because that seems like something he'd do or something like that like he didn't even react perry he didn't go with cavendish and dakota either he must have just like stayed at the time machine but then we see him come in for the final battle at the end with them so like I'm, i want to know that i feel like something something got left out there the island they landed on probably had some like alka little Alka hangout set up and he was just kind of chilling there with maybe Carl and Major Monogram for a bit. Yeah, that sounds... Major Monogram was getting in his trip to Bora Bora a little bit early. It kind of makes me think of... I can't remember what the episode was, but where Candace had the bad luck charm, that's what it made me think of. Oh, yeah, the Hawaii one. Yeah. I was thinking of actor age where you see him. He's like... uh, He's on the island and he's like, oh, I'm just relaxing. Maybe he was testing out his, uh, his relaxation spot. Yeah, that's what they're doing now. They're just sitting on the beach on lawn chairs, relaxing. 
waiting for everyone to work out their issues so they can go fight off the Pistachian army. Exactly. Perry, you could just read it in Perry's face. He's like, y'all have issues. Yes. Yeah, so that was that was definitely I expected from the crossover a role that was significant for Isabella. That didn't happen. That was probably the most upsetting part to me. Yay, there she is. Now she's gonna get this cool part and everything. I was thought it was gonna be really exciting and she just didn't get that much. I mean she, she got the brief moment with Phineas. And then like in like the next time you see her Milo's like, thanks, Isabel. I'm like, dude, you're good with names. I can't, I can't remember people's names if I've only heard them one time and it was somebody else's conversation. I'm not surprised with Milo there. Like, he's prepared that's for true. everything. So he's prepared. He's got her name prepared. Yeah, that's, that's impressive. I would be like, uh, you just saved my life. Don't remember your name, but thank you very much. I'd probably be the <laughs> Yeah, no, but I, yeah. And then she turns into a, a, a human plant and then they give her this brief like realization moment at the end when she turns back into a human. But then that moment's really about Sarah remembering Dr. Zone again, not really about Isabella. Yeah, that one was another one. And then Phineas, Phineas doesn't go and like check to see if she's okay. That seemed out of character. Yeah. And then like she doesn't get to go watch the show with them either. I'm like, yeah, that's just like, not Phineas wasn't like, meet our new friends. <laughs> She is so left out of it, and that does I really hope that. they bring her back for, if they do another crossover-type episode. I do, too. That would, that would help to make up for how much she missed. Like, even, even just, like... Uh, but they had so much to do with the crossover. Yeah, the, it would be hard to squeeze it in without leaving out other. Yeah, how do you right. feel about the Orton-Doof rap number? I have, like, mixed <laughs> Me, too. I think I liked... The earlier part of the song. Better. Well, it was it was more melodic. I liked it, yeah. and I loved Jermaine Clement singing. I was so happy that he got to sing. I just like how Milo. Milo, no, you picks up the ukulele, starts playing. He's like, oh, you're just gonna play it, okay? And then just goes. That right. was really well boarded. That whole song. And like, it was good animating and everything. But like, when you get to the part towards the end with the spears and everything, I know I pointed this out before to you. Orton having three hands. <laughs> yes, at the very end. A little bit concerning. I'm a little worried as to what. Maybe he was hands. secretly a pistachio the whole time. Oh, great. Because that was, that was like the extra limb that was coming out of Martin Murphy at the beginning. He just put an extra, an extra hand. There, there you go. go. That was actually pistachio Orton, just with a better disguise again. Yeah. D- do you wonder why Derek wore that mask for 50 years without taking it off if the show never like took off i don't know why because i was thinking like he's like the show is canceled after two episodes so like well why why keep wearing the mask you don't have an alibi anymore no he did say he He did he did that was one of the that was another animation highlight was him taking off the mask that has some of the funniest screenshots oh yeah but i think overall the crossover pressure was definitely i think the best boarded part um, that and the the end battle with the pistachios, the final attack. Yeah, a lot of the episodes, I know it felt kind of rushed in some ways, but once you get to the end battle, that it really it's so it's cool. it's an epic finale. Like they pull out all the stops. And I, my favorite line in the whole episode is the when life crushes your lemons. Use a radioactive watermelon to recharge your exosuit. That is something I would want 
on like the show. Yes, that definitely. And I just the the music kicks in right after they say that, and they just take down Derek and yeah, epic epic stuff. I sit through that whole episode a lot of the time, looking forward to that scene. Yeah, I think I think the I think I touched on this a little a little bit on Twitter, but the music from the crossover was also not just the songs, but like the actual score. It like it was very epic. Yeah. They know how to get you excited when they need you. Yeah, definitely. I was not expecting um, the the line about, uh, hey, Ferb, look, remember that's Vanessa's dad in the middle of all of the crazy finale. That came out of nowhere. It made me kind of Oh, for sure. But it, it was just one of those where I was like, I was not expecting. Because, you know, I was like, okay, if they're going to forget about Isabella, but now we're going to remember that Ferb likes Vanessa. Okay. <laughs> Yeah, it, it is funny, and they do bring up the smaller things a lot like that, but I don't know why they'd skim over something as important yeah, as it, Isabella. Yeah, it just doesn't. I feel like there's a story there that, that we need to scoop out from from the uh, from the production team. Speaking of Vanessa, her and Norm being absent was also disappointing. Well, I would have loved to have seen, if you threw in the giant floating baby head pistachion, why not throw in a Norm Pistachion just to just to make it make even less sense? I did kind of have an idea though that like maybe they didn't include him for reason. This is just hoping, and maybe he ties in with all the other robot things. That could doing. be that could be true. They could be saving him for that as part of the robot uprising. I'm not sure how they'd use him for it. I mean, he if we should bring back the song Weaponry. And I would love to just see him chasing Cavendish and Dakota through the streets. <laughs> it would be really fun. Oh, gosh. As he's singing his chipper tune and then, like, Cavendish throws out another one of his extremely strange exclamations. I was rewatching Picture Day today and there was another... It wasn't Great Caesar's Ghost, but it was, it was, it was something that was just so out there. I was just like... It said something with, like, Deuce or something yeah. like that, it, right? He, he says what, what okay. the juice is going on quite a bit. Yeah, I like to hear all the different things. You oh, that's a, that's an idea. I need to do a video Cavendish exclamations compilation. So what else from the crossover uh, did it do that you didn't expect? Baljeet in the beginning or, or in the um, Travel Away at My Heart song. The last thing I expected was him to dab and I was like, <laughs> Me too. Oh, I was just no. like... But it made it made sense for his character because he would try to be cool like that. And the whole point is he's he's totally failing at it. Yeah, I know what you mean. It's just still it got the point across, but it was was just like, why did you have to do this? They're never going to stop. Did you hear Kate Micucci's voice in that rendition of Chop Chop Chop? I was trying to see if I heard it. I don't think because I was like I heard Baljeet and I heard Zach, but I was like. are Buford and and, th- and Sarah singing? I think other than that, it mostly just sounded like the Lumbermax's version or the other back, basically yeah. the background singers in the Lumbermax. Which I was disappointed. Kind of the I was disappointed that Sarah didn't have any lines. Yeah, would've been funny if you yeah. heard. Yeah, I them think more. I think yeah, if you had just cut the the rap part of Pressure, and then maybe cut. Derek's whole backstory explanation at the beginning I think you would have had time to do Isabella and Sarah justice and give Candace uh, a part at the end yeah because we already did get 
Acing kind of with him over explaining something right. in Fungus. And Mind. so I, I, I was wondering, I felt like, are they just so, trying to like I, appeal to the fans who haven't seen Milo Murphy's Law and like they think this is their first episode? I like that they kind of kept that little, you know, that little problem he has where he over explains things like that and tried to keep that together, but they probably still could have shortened that. It was consistent, it was consistent with his character. I just wonder why he was waiting in that alleyway. Like, I'm, I, I want to know, like, obviously, you know, drama and it's it's cool for him to have the other pistachios turn around and be like, you know, I sent them. But I was like, well, why, why was he in? Why, why was he in the, the, the alleyway? Yeah. And I even thought about that until you pointed it out. And I was like, why? And then why did he want to explain his plan to the kids? I mean, I loved it. The whole the whole flashback was it was very funny. And it was nice to hear King Pistachion again. That was Yes, that was and the very, very nice moment there. Yeah. But yeah, there's just, it felt a little bit forced. Yeah, and you know, that's the only part that went, well, not the only part, but that's the big, the big part that went over my head. I didn't even think about it until. Yeah, it's just something. one of those little logical things, but then it's, it's Milo Murphy's Law, so we'll just, we'll just throw logic out the window. I, one thing I think I like the most about Doofenshmirtz in the crossover is him and Perry playing go fish. And I love how Perry's going packet. along with it too. Like he makes the noise like, do you have a hot sauce packet? And he's like, yes, yes, I do have a hot sauce packet. Just figuring he's not doing anything wrong. So why not play? Exactly. I want to know why he came to Doof Slayer. Like, I feel like this was a continuation of Alka Files where Perry went to Doof because Doof was his trainee, so to speak. And then monogram address them because if they were part of alka presumably alka agents would be f- sent to fight pistachions like in second dimension they're all sent to fight the robots so since you know perry can't talk but wait no because doof can understand perry now so why would monogram be- he can like understand him but he can't because you because he's like, he's either saying he's going with you or he regrets the impulsive decision. I love that line. All of Doof's lines in the crossover were brilliant. Uh, did, did you not think so? No, there was just one I was like picturing the video. I'm like, oh, shit, there's that. Uh, oh, that's, that's right. That remember, um, the one where they're traveling through time and they find out that they Oh, yes, that out. one too. And he's just like, now I really wish I put a bathroom on this thing. Like, plus all I serve is Mexican food, so you do the math. That, that was yeah, my favorite fantastic one. doof lines. And then Dakota got his whole, it looks like a taco, and then it gets crushed, and he's like, now it looks like nachos. Yeah, and then, like, the only, this, this is actually one thing that I didn't expect. I expected there would be quite a few of the same voice actor kind of jokes, but then they only actually really had one where, it, well, it seemed like it was building up to it, because Dakota's like, yeah, your voice is really annoying after Cavendish was mocking Doofenshmirtz. And he was just asking if that was supposed to be him. And the fact that Dakota said it's just like, it seemed like a little hint to Dumbo having the same actor. All right, so is there anything else about the crossover? I think we've covered mostly everything as far as, I didn't expect the two middle acts for them to just be like in the warehouse, you know? The, um... Like as far as Milo and his whole group with Phineas and Ferb, I didn't, ex- I, like I thought there would be more I guess going on, yeah. But I mean, it, it works because you got a lot of character I, humor. Mm-hmm. That's one thing I really did like about. They it. didn't like 
the more I watch through it, the more okay with it I get because I can just learn to ignore the flaws and just exactly. enjoy it. Like I don't care, but it's like, hey, I've already established the flaws are here. Now I can just. And it's all about the comedy too. I think I think that's something like you miss a lot when you know anal- overanalyzing the plot. And there were just a lot of lines that were really cool too, even though. I don't know Law and Order, like I've never seen it. The Murphy's Law and Order thing came off as Oh, really I just like the Murphy's Law suit. Maybe that's where Robot Milo comes in again. Maybe we see the suit again. I wouldn't be surprised. It, it didn't get, it didn't disappear miraculously at the end of the day. That is the most bothersome thing is their parents being there and the big huge <laughs> robot being there and them not saying anything. Candace not doing anything. She's just playing. I I would assume she's playing Decky Melgo. Yeah. How is how is she? She didn't want to go and watch doctors. Like she didn't. She didn't want to go with them. I guess she felt like maybe she was too grown up. She watch her be one of the people that actually doesn't like it. What do you mean? Like she just because you know that she's one of the people who doesn't like it. One of the few people who doesn't like the show, and that's why she wasn't there. That wasn't really like meant to be like. Oh, it's a big plot point of this. She's just one of the people that doesn't like the show, and that's why she wasn't there. Or she was distracted playing her game. Again. Yeah, she's like, oh, pistachios yeah. gone. Hey, Lord World's got a lot of uh, ducky logos. Yeah, she's like really hooked on that game now, which not entirely surprised. Yeah, I could, I can see her character getting completely obsessed with that, and then asking Phineas and Ferb, Phineas and Ferb, make a life-size ducky mogo game for me. Either that or they'd already done it, and she's just kind of like... She was, she was pretty again, hooked on skiddly whiffers. Yeah, she's like, again, in the place, like, she's stuck between, do I bust them, or do I play it? Yeah, I see what you're saying. I liked her part, but yeah, the ending with the parents, they should have they done something. Yeah, I think that, even though I said there were a lot of other things that bugged me, that might be one of the ones that bugs me most of all, because I don't know why they would do that. I do like you don't hear Cavendish call Milo Milo too much. Like, he'd like to say Murphy. Murphy's yeah. friends. Whenever he says, yeah, whenever he says Milo, I'm actually like, hey, you call him by his first name. I think that's just because Cavendish and Dakota both go by their last names. So they're just, they're just yeah. used to that. And Dakota does say Murphy sometimes, too. Why don't we ask Murphy about Murphy? Yeah. Or like, when you hear him actually say Milo, it's it feels different. I like how even in the uh, in like the picture day episode, Cavendish is just like Murphy's lot. Like he doesn't, he still doesn't know his fr- his friends' names. That's why I really like the fan art you did with uh, Dakota, kind of like teasing Milo, like so who's who's the girl from school? I think like they could have that kind of you know uh, friendship if they if they kind of you know brought Cavendish, Dakota, and Milo together more. Yeah, that was like just a super self-indulgent kind of drawing because I was just like for some reason I just wanted them to be able to interact like that yeah I think I, and I feel like Dakota like that fits within his personality too yeah I tried to fit in and I don't always know if I do but it's nice to know that that did work so the crossover yeah it was it was really good the whole thing it, I mean it had its flaws but it was incredibly funny and the character moments were to die for you pretty much just have to learn to take the good with the bad, and then you can enjoy it pretty well. Exactly, and that's the whole that's the whole premise of Milo Murphy's Law. So they're they're really playing on the fans there. So okay, so we're gonna get into reviewing 
Snow Way Out and Teacher feature, which picks up presumably a month or two after the crossover is over. So the first thing from this episode is that it's a repeat of the pilot, or at least in, in premise, which I really love. Yeah, that part was nostalgic and fun to me, and it actually put an exciting twist on it, too. Yeah, because it was, it, was, it was really cool to see, you know, the same, like, shot for shot. Ashley Michelle Simpson did a really good job of matching uh, Dan's boards from the original, which I thought, like, what, what a cool task. Like, you have to be like, you get to redraw, essentially, the original boards from the first episode. Like, what an honor. I think that'd be pretty fun to do. So Cavendish and Dakota got fired. Yeah, and that part I was like listening to it. It was like kind of fun and enjoyable to watch. But then when like Mr. Block said the thing, he was like, and this is his character, so I get it, where he's like saying he doesn't even want, so he doesn't even have to look at them. He's sending them to the past and everything. Yeah, I personally think that their firing was entirely on Dakota. Yeah, that was. Like that, I think think it went downhill when he picked the the funny stuff to show like i'm not sure i'm not sure why that felt a little bit out of character for him like like i get he's you know going for the joke but like it did kind of feel like that but at the same time it seems like something you do so i don't know why it feels yeah it's it's one of those where i was like but but don't you want to keep your job at the time travel maybe he just hated i mean he he got kind of tense in that last argument maybe that goofy video was like his way of kind of relaxing himself trying to keep himself yeah maybe because that presumably if they're not on time travel missions he's not saving cavendish's life every two seconds and something does happen though and then he doesn't have the means of time travel so that's the other thing okay here's a brief thing about time travel right so they're talking at the beginning like you know obviously the timelines reset from the crossover and so he's like you know mr block doesn't know what we did but then like how would the time travel bureau ever know if they did anything? Cause like if they saved the pistachios, wouldn't he just be like, pistachios have always been around now. Like what was your job? Like, how would you, how would you measure what people got done unless you had lead lined everything? That is confusing. So I think, I think that. somebody had said like, Mr. Block should be wearing like his outfit should be part lead. So he can remember old timelines like, you know, Elliot and world without Milo. I feel like yeah. Mr. Block is secretly, like, he knows everything that Cavendish and Dakota have done. And he's he's just playing them because he thinks it's really funny. He's such a joker. Yeah. He, he, yeah, they like did say in Missing friend. Milo, Mr. Block's such a joker. Yeah. Maybe, maybe that's the truth. I could actually see that in one way and not see it in another because I'm like, I kind of want to believe he's better than that. He has done things along those lines in terms of how he treats those two. He's broken time travel rules. I love how loose, how fast and loose the time travel rules are, like not crossing your own timelines. And yet we see Brick and Savannah do that in like a ton of episodes and like they don't get in trouble for it at all. I wonder if there's, if he holds them in a higher, to higher standards, basically, he's just kind of like, do but pistachios are so important, more so than stopping World War Five. Yeah, yeah. But then he says the pistachio thing is inconsequential. So, like, I, I'm curious to see if his character ends up being a twist. I'm still curious about the whole thing with Bob Block. I know you don't find him very interesting, but I'm like, I'm curious to see what he's and what he's doing, what his intentions. Yeah, we'll talk about Bob Block when we get to Picture Day. 
So. Oh yeah. Yeah. No. Uh, so uh, Olivia Olson sang the song. There's no day like a snow day for having fun. I thought that was that was really cool. Yeah, that one is that one was really catchy, and I would love hearing her. Yeah, voice. it. She is one of the best but, singers on Phineas and Ferb. Yeah, I think I'd have to agree there. I was just say that that was probably one of the most exciting parts of the episode. I think, from the standpoint of everything going. Oh on. yeah, that was. I'm amazed that none of those swords when the snowball hit them. That was impressive. Bradley returns, which is a major highlight. His plant arm from the crossover maintains and nobody questions it. I think Miss Morosky at this point is just like, yeah, okay. The plant arm, I don't know why, but I really like that and how they animate it. I love how it like curls up at the end too. They make it show so much emotion and that sounds weird, but they do. And... I like how there's this brief moment where Melissa still has to scold Chad. Like, that that whole thing is still going on. I don't think that will ever get old. Well, no, and it's so funny because, again, I love, I love World Without Milo for its character development. But you have, the, you have the scene where Chad's like, I'm Chad, I'm in your science class too or whatever. And she's just like totally talking to Zach and he's just like, fine, whatever, ignore me. Running underline with him having a crush on Melissa. But then, like, the whole tension with Zach and the whole it's it's funny how many guys at the school have a crush on her i know I and they're all just that. perturbed especially bradley just because she just hangs out with milo as a friend i don't think anybody's more affected by it than bradley <laughs> yeah bradley and then more in amanda of course yeah they like make that scene <laughs> their expressions yeah gotta love bradley and his his expression when milo and zach show up at the end he's just like Again, yeah, like what you said, what they did with the pistachio arm, like it like makes a square around his head in such an unnatural way, but it's so funny. That part, that that's one of my favorite parts from like animation. Yeah. And how they how they do the expressions again with, you know, in different ways with the. Does um does Milo own the time machine now? I like to believe he does. Like. Like, now Milo owns a time machine. Like, nothing can go wrong for him, at least as far as, you know, messing things up. He's, like, holding it for Cavendish and Dakota. So, I mean, if Cavendish and Dakota can't use it, I mean, Milo doesn't have a driver's license, but I'm not sure Cavendish or Dakota had a driver's license. <laughs> he probably had Phineas and Firm make him a remote yes. control for it. Like, they use so that. That's how he, he can go that. on the road and in the mud. I don't know if I'd maybe no Milo would probably be the best person to have at the wheel with Murphy's Law now yeah because he could anticipate it. everything that's going to happen and with his blimp scissors no obstacle is too intense Zach would probably hate that <laughs> okay so I could just imagine. yeah Cavendish was milked to death I think we should skip over that as much as possible <laughs> I don't even want I would love to have heard the writer's room conversation around <laughs> around that I feel like it was just something they I'm didn't guess- even know. Like they yeah, didn't I'm guessing know. they have like just a list of ways that Cavendish has died to pull out of the book. They're Cavendish. The Cavendish, yes. Char- Did you, uh, if you remember from the Isle of Dakota's montage, there's one where Cavendish, his head blows up on the moon because he walks outside without the helmet on. Yeah. I feel like that was, that was a scene from the mission where they blew up Earth's second moon. Oh, he went back and he saved Cavendish, but in exchange they Earth blew up. second moon. Earth yeah. Second moon. That's that's what I'm thinking. 
I think that's less of a sacrifice made. Yeah, no, we we didn't really need a second moon, you know? It's funny that never showed up in uh, ancient... Uh, that must have been, like, a, a far back time travel mission. Because, like, there's no recordings in any of the stonework that we've seen of a second moon. You know, that fits into the whole space thing. Maybe it's something they'll cover when it comes to the That's aliens. true. They could bring that back up. The smallest lines have been brought back before. That would be an interesting one to see. Okay, so aliens. We've been trying to warn them all along. Then, oh well, let's get nachos. How are they going to warn us if they didn't speak English? I have no oh. clue. Yeah, I don't Maybe. think they were trying hard enough. Because like, we only saw them twice last season. So, so what, have, what have they been doing? Maybe they were um, looking for one of the mustaches to be able to translate what they're saying. That's true. Yeah, they could have... Meep's translation mustaches. I noticed uh, the the one alien from later in the season, she just speaks English perfectly, and so do her assistants. Maybe that has to do with them being able to transform. That's true. If they can transform, they could probably learn other languages fairly quickly. Obviously, they don't have to hold their breath for that one. Yeah, do you think that the cabin parry is those two aliens? I think it is. That's the most logical. Uh, it just The only thing that makes me question that is the egg on the ground, but I guess we can get to that later. I don't want to know. Let's, let's rename the podcast Aliens Want Nachos. There we go. That's it. That sounds good to yeah, me. Yeah, nachos sounds good. This is good. Okay, so that's Snow Way Out for you. Teacher feature. Scott the Undergrounder returns, which is good because he needed an episode. I did like that he got another episode, but I think I prefer Snow Way Out. Me too. I liked, though, I feel like the entire obsession with making Mrs. Morosky like be in love with the desk was just to have the joke about I almost dropped its drawers. I feel like that was the entire that was the entire reason they set up that whole thing. It Milo Murphy's Law's strange obsession with pairing humans and inanimate objects just like reached its peak. Yeah. You you brought back Mildred and Mildred somehow got back to Scott's place at the end. Yeah, and then I don't know what he called the other one, but I think it was like an. I want to say it was like Cynthia. Like old lady names, Mildred and Cynthia. There was one. I think I liked it the most towards the ending of that. Yeah. Like I can't remember what it was, but there was something towards the end that I really like. You can put a suit on an undergrounder, but that doesn't make him a desk. Maybe. And then Melissa's like, "Yeah, that's what we learned today." Okay, that was probably it. <laughs> so do you want to buy a Pancho Sansa? I don't know. Sh- show your Milo Murphy's Lost Spirit by wearing Pancho Sansa around. <laughs> okay, yes, it was to show my Milo Murphy's Lost Spirit. And people, pe- people ask you, um, why are you I- wearing a Pancho? And you can be like, this is Pancho Sansa. And then they can awkwardly walk away. <laughs> or I could just, you know, be carrying around little postcards or something with information about Milo Murphy's Law and be like, here you go. Read about it. Now go buy your own. This will explain everything. You just have to watch through like maybe like 30 some episodes of a TV show. Yeah, only nine know. hours. A little more. A little less. I, I just remember the part I really, really liked though. And it wasn't towards the end. It was closer to the beginning yeah. and middle. Was the part where he tries to dress up for the date and comes out and it's kind of just a mess. <laughs> 
and he's dancing and everything and they're all just, like trying to get him to stop and he's not stopping and them all screaming in unison and beauty going home because he's yeah that, he that could have gone it. too long but it was it was perfectly timed it was absolutely hilarious it was like the peach thing to me like that could have gone too long too but then they stopped it and the way they stopped it was even better because it was kind of abrupt like, yeah the coming that. up song was was a highlight too I, I really liked that song i like mixed. you're mixed on that one kind of like that one yeah kind of like that one just it doesn't it's not exactly anything special to me but i did kind of like i it. thought it was i thought it was nice and catchy and the whole montage with him going on the mock dates was was very funny yeah i did like the mock date <laughs> He eats the. He puts mustard on the menu and eats it. I like when he tries to pull out the chair for Milo and <laughs> he moves it over and then he sits in it. I like how it easily could have been Melissa helping him, but no, he decided to put the wig on Milo. She's a delicate flower, and I like how Zach he actually takes the time to dress up as a butler for the whole thing. And Scott, they're just like, yeah, okay, you can wear the banana for the tie. We'll we'll start we'll start easy. Um. That made me think the butler thing, Milo at the restaurant. <laughs> I like Milo at the restaurant and pip, pip, him going. What? Yes. Yes. Something about Weird Al doing a British accent was so funny. That was another highlight. So this may not have been my favorite one, but it still had a lot of different little highlights in it. And I liked how Miss Morosky at the end, like she didn't. Like, they made it seem throughout the episode like she was glossing over the thing Scott said, like, my last date was at the milk carton. But then in the end, she's like, oh, no, yeah, he he had to specify not to grill steak on a toilet. He's he's a, he's a wacko. I appreciated that. Yeah. They didn't just throw it under the bus or ignore it or anything like that. Like, she may be crazy over her death, which may not seem yeah. entirely sane, but she knows when it's too far. Yeah. She knows when something's too far. All right, so that was that was a uh, uh, teacher feature. So I guess we should get on the picture day and A G I E N T D O G. I literally just put that one as Agent D O G because I'm like I don't. It took me so long to figure out how to print, and I was like, oh, okay, I see what they did there. So picture day, uh, we got Chad and Mort teaming up again, which was nice. That was that was fun to see. His comment about bagels reminded me of some meme or something I'd seen a while ago. Of, of what? Some vine or something I'd seen a while ago, and that's all I could think of. It was like a bagel, and there was something, I can't remember the context, but he's talking about bagels. So I was like, oh, are you, are you referencing vines now? But no, he just wanted it. Every bagel. time like I think of bagel, I think of that dumb joke, like, what do you call seagulls when they fly over the bay? They're bagels. Like that's that's my association with the word bagel. I have never heard that before. <laughs> yeah, it was. Yeah, I guess that's a Florida joke because we're all near the ocean and stuff. I was just gonna say in the beginning, I a picture day. I really like Milo's mom. Just kind of getting excited over him, gushing everything, and I just thought it was a nice, nice, sweet moment. Yeah, I like how she had you know all the pictures, and I was like, yeah, well, at least they got my good ear. Something just clicked with me, but it's not important to this. I just like froze for a second. I really appreciated uh, the the joke where Zach walks in. And they're just like, "What happened to your hair?" And he's just like, "My mom." I was just like, "Yes, I I could relate to that." 
because moms love to do up boys' hair for school picture. That's just a thing. Yeah, I've never actually had to experience that. Yeah, I would. I would hope not. It's it, it's incredibly embarrassing, and I I appreciate it that they put that in there. I love the realism with the surrealism in Milo Murphy's Law. So Zippy, the world's fastest koala. Yeah, that one. That's not like their animal. Like they're back on their animal thing again. I don't know what it is with them and animals, but I mean, other than Alka, they really like Tenglu. Zippy could have been like excommunicated from Alka. He seemed so bizarre, though. I don't. He was too efficient for Alka. Like they're like, you're getting the jobs done too fast. We need less efficient people. Carl, fire him. And now look where that got him. Yeah, now he's a criminal. He's in jail, paying the time for his crime. Yeah. He was probably one of the weirder parts of that episode. Yeah. But at the same time, I liked it. I don't know. I liked him a lot. I thought he made me laugh. I like the two new writers that they have for this season so far. They've proven themselves. Mm. I think it's like Marja and Adrian. Marja, Adrian, and Valerie Bremen, I think. I couldn't think of names to it. Anyways, they've done a really good job. I don't know if they're as good as Danny yet, but we'll we'll have to wait and see. Yeah, I think things will get better as it goes along. Because, you know, it's, I really like season two and I'm liking it, but it still has parts that just feel kind of different in a way. It's, just, it's, it's definitely a different feel. I still like it. Just there's certain things that I've, there's certain elements that I'm kind of. It's missing. like Phineas and Ferb and Milo. Like both of them have a very different taste. Yeah, they do in some ways. So season one and season two have a different taste. So quick fan theory. Is the Yeti Orton Malson? I have no idea how to respond to that. They, they both like taking shelfies. Oh. He, I was like, oh. he makes like the same face that like Orton made. And since the Milo Murphy's Law fan community loves Orton theories. Is he a pistachian or is he a Yeti? Or is he Orton? I am so confused. Well, no, no. It's just because, like, like in uh, Missing Milo, when, like, Orton took the picture. Yeah, I know. I'm just, like, I'm so confused. I don't know which one he like, is. Like, maybe, maybe Orton's experimenting with time travel tech, and maybe Doofenshmirtz made another one of those. Uh, what, didn't he turn himself into a Yeti in, uh, in yeah, Hockey Z? I think it was me. Yeah. Yeah, for your eyes only. So maybe he reinvented that, shot Orton, and zim- zoomed him back in time. Just to uh, terrorize Ka- Kevin Nishan Nakoda, I guess. Oh, there, there you go. go. Orton wasn't taken. He's still out there. The I didn't really like the song "Take Your Picture." That was that was that. See that that one for me was okay. That one for me, I liked better than the other one that I already forgot the name of. Why did I forget the name of it? The other one you were talking oh, the, about that you really coming liked. up. Yeah, see, I, coming yeah, up. coming up was better. Yeah, I like the picture. That <laughs> yes, the fact that I actually. I went around and like showed my family just to confuse them because they hadn't seen it. They were like, "What is this?" Yeah, all the different t- pictures. Milo trying to get a mug shot, and then everything after that. And then to begin, like right before the song starts, Kevin is just like, "We need to get a picture or something like that." And he takes a picture, and the way he says, "Not of me." Yes, that was that was killer. That was really funny. The way he says his lines is what makes. Well, and if you look at the expression on his face too. So there's also a new character in this episode, Bob Block, who hires Cavendish and Dakota for PIG, 
the Paranormal Investigation Group, or the Purgers of Intergalactic Garbage. He's kind of sort of creepy in some ways to me. But like, yeah, I noticed he's like the only character. He's one of the only characters in the show who is like individual teeth animated. Yeah, and I was watching something with Myla recently where I saw somebody else who had it too. I think can't remember who it was so i was like oh so he's not and the then there's also the pictures of cats in the background every time you see him yeah i saw someone make the comment that like he's already kind of creepy but if you ever find him petting a cat then you know he's trouble and then someone zoomed pointing out he's got cat pictures all over the place back there that's like basically like that's villain thing. material what if what if the secret base for pig is that uh, old lady's retirement home that Milo sent all the cats to. Or he just is really good friends with them and we're looking too far into this. <laughs> Probably. It's just... That would be it's just, it's just curious. Like, with a detail like that, I feel like it'll play into the overall arc. He's mostly just a character that I can see a lot of potential in that makes him seem interesting to me. Like, that's in the main, or a lot of the time for newer characters, the main thing that gets my attention on like, them is that I can see they're going to go somewhere interesting or they can go somewhere really interesting. Yeah, like he, when he was like, uh, you know, he shows the Cavendish Nakoda show him the picture of Milo and he's like, all right, I'll bite. Who's the kid? Whereas Mr. Block, no, that's funny because Mr. Block did the same thing. He's like, you know, disregarding your complete you know, refusal of orders. Is there anything else that you found, you know, of interest tonight? Both of them are willing to bite into whatever Cavendish and Dakota are selling. I think that's funny. I just realized that. It runs they're, they're both slightly curious, except Bob Block is like, have fun. And he's like very nice about it. That's one of the things that makes him... His eyes are a creepy shade of green, too. I never even, like, looked... I want to say I want to say they're I think they're green. They're, I don't know. It's the, his whole appearance is very off-putting. I agree with you there, but I just feel like he's he's not as like every time during the first season when I saw Mister Block come on screen, like I just I just prepared myself to laugh because I knew I would because he's just absolutely hilarious. Um. Yeah. Because Bob Block hasn't made me laugh as much as he has just made me really curious. Usually, the things that make me laugh aren't what he says. It's like. Cavendish and Dakota say or do in response. Yeah, also there's that brief scene later where you see that Cavendish and Dakota went to training with Bob Block. Did you did you see that? Yeah, I did see that. I was like, okay, so maybe they're on good terms. Maybe. Also, I know she's not watching this because she's like avoiding spoilers, but um Carly, Carly Bella, she like she has this character that she says, Oh, it's her. It looks like her and her character was in the training. So Carly Bella is a time traveler, or not time traveler, she is a um, PIG. Employee. That's really cool. Yeah. I did not know that. I'll have to, I'll have to, I'll have to look for it. She'll, she'll get to um, see that when she watches We need the petition to get all of the hardcore Milo Murphy's Law fans into an episode. It'd be kind of cool to be in another like thing, the but... uh like pace makes waste. There are so many extras in that uh, race scene. Like they're yeah. they're just like you know it's like they did designs. It's like just just you know make make it a little cameo. We'll all send we'll all send in pictures. 
One of my favorite things to look for in big crowds like that is the repeats because there's almost always repeats. They can't always tell oh, that sometimes it's a mistake they just have. I've seen, I saw actually not a lot of them in there. Yeah, that was incredibly impressive. There were maybe like four, which isn't that much out of that big. See, that's funny. Crowd. I haven't I haven't looked that closely to see if there's repeats, but that's interesting. I kind of like to stop and look at the. Crowd there's certain. Uh, extras who also appear like more often than others like uh you'll see that one girl who's wearing like the pink sweater vest like milo oh yeah the she's she was in um yeah she was she's she's in a lot of stuff she was like in the plant i was surprised if you go back to uh teacher future when they went to the movie i was surprised that josh didn't try and sneak in a mystery science theater 3000 drawing into the the movie scene as far as like the silhouettes of people watching the movie this is another one of the things that I'm not. He like sure of. he like mystery science theater is like these characters that are like watching movies on a screen, but they're like only you only see their silhouettes. And like Joshua uh, Perret is like a huge fan of that show, so I was I was surprised that he didn't petition to put that in there. Whenever I like see anything horror, like it has like the kind of vibe yeah. of horror, I kind of wonder: Did Joshua Perret have part in this one? particular scene even if he didn't write the episode did he have i'm debating whether or not to read his horror short stories like i love his writing but i don't know if i want him to because like i'm a bit chicken when it comes to horror uh content i am the same i was like i want to support you but i cannot do horror I i'm excited for his new book shipwreckers that sounds like that's going to be a fun comedy one from him so yeah if i can ever get that one i'd probably try yeah it. I, th- I think it comes out next year okay so Let's move on to last one for tonight. Um, A-G-E-N-T-D-O-G, which nobody's going to be able to pronounce when it comes out. I'm pretty sure people already can't. I, I, it, it took me forever to figure it out. But So D-O-G becomes an agent, sort of. That one was more of a Phineas and It really was. It, it felt like it, just the whole thing beginning to end. And that's, that's not exactly bad. It was fun, and I liked watching it, but I do kind of... That one probably gets on my nerves a little more because, like, there's so much more Phineas and Ferb yeah, right now. Yeah, definitely. And I don't have any issues with the Doof cameos because I thought most of them were funny. But actually, when he started getting more involved with the plot, particularly in the two most recent English episodes, that's when it started to bug me. But yeah, this one was my least favorite. When it came out, it was my least favorite of the ones currently released because I like this is my least favorite Milo because it's not Milo, it's Phineas and Ferb with I love how the meal. description of the episode was Milo, Melissa, and Zach go to eat ice cream on a Sunday. I want to know yeah. who wrote that. I don't think oh. it was ever mentioned that it was Sunday and Zach wasn't even there. <laughs> yeah, because this was back in summer, he didn't I just, I just would love to know the story behind writing that uh, that summary. I just say maybe it was just a translation Potentially. Error. Since, yeah, it was in German. But um, what do you think of Dr. Not Sorry? It was okay. It, it, like, it wasn't anything great. I think I think it's Professor Bannister. I think I liked him better. Like, you know, they don't have a ton of big villains that are, like, the Al- that the Alpha agents go against. But I think of all them, he was probably my favorite over that guy. I mean, you can sure you connect by comparing those two. Yeah, why? He was just an okay yeah, character. Yeah, they, they ha- you know Alka has, like, different branches because you have, like, Kauka, and then you have, like, uh, yeah. the 
whatever Pinky works for. I don't know what it's what it's called. But it has the different lady and she has Carla. I would have yeah. loved to have seen like Dr. Diminutive and like Newton the New been going out and then like that New- Newton the News hat falls off on Perry or on a uh, DOG. Yeah, well, the only thing is like I mean they did do it with a dog is like it'd be less That's true, it would be harder to or be mistake that. Yeah, I just feel like if they were going to go all out with Phineas and Ferb for this episode, which they did, I almost wish that they had, you know, gone all out. Like, make make it like everybody's a Phineas and Ferb character. I like that um, Doof has another Yeah, Fluffy out. Pants, too. And then the teapot thing where he's there going back inside. Yeah. That was another picture I showed my family out of context, and they were confused. I like showing them out of context pictures. I send those to my sister because she hasn't seen the episodes yet. And it's it's so funny. She's like, Cavendish and Dakota not wearing their regular outfits? What is this? Anarchy. No, but I think the episode, it was, it, like you said, it was okay. The song wasn't particularly outstanding either. Yeah. I kind of did like in the beginning, though, him talking about the, how, or what he had seen and everything that day with the agent. And then he goes... And, like Maria and he's like I actually stops it when he sees Melissa and Miley's I actually don't remember this part but for some reason this yeah that, I, that was a nice little nod to the fact that Milo has to be in every episode and then like the ending was good too how you go through that whole episode I just think it's funny how he's just saying how DOG reminded him only of basically DOG when he didn't have the hat on not of the dog with the hat because that was obviously an yeah I will always I always like Doofenshmirtz not being able to tell with without the hat. I'm starting to see why you haven't taken over your dimension yet. Tell me what you see, the platypus. Now tell me what you see, Perry the platypus. Yeah, but now he's going to be more successful than that Doofenshmirtz. Yeah. In the future, so I was like, so it'd pay off. I I think the best parts of this episode were honestly the, the monogram and Carl parts. There's the one line where monogram tells Carl you could learn a lot from him. And then there's the other part where after D.O.G. like licks Doofenshmirtz to the floor, he's like, I hope nobody saw that. And then you see them on their phones. They're like, share, share, share. Yes. And the bagpipe. <laughs> Carl, Maybe. go buy me some bagpipes to put on the girl. I wonder if he actually I have no that. doubt that Carl did. And then Monogram just yelled at him again. He's probably like, I wasn't, wasn't going to get thanks I, anyway. Yeah. Sometimes that bugs me about him. <laughs> Yeah, I really like that they brought back the voice actor for Carl, too. He was one of my favorite Phineas and Ferb characters, so. Yeah, I think I think it was you. I never got to check this for sure, but, like, someone said he did Max. I did not know that, and I would never be able it's, to it, tell. Like, I couldn't tell either until I just looked at, the, you know, the people who voice the... The guy who voices Baljeet also voices Neil. Yeah, that one I did that, That's crazy. I couldn't, I couldn't, I could not tell that one. So I think the biggest takeaway from this episode, canon-wise, was that Perry was allowed vacation, and that completely breaks the entire canon, because even on Christmas, (laughs) uh, Monogram was like, we don't know what Doof is up to, but it's Christmas and evil, and evil people hate Christmas. (laughs) And the rest of the Asians just go on partying. The only time he really gets a break is after he's done the mission 
Well, even then, like, there's that one, uh, what's the, what's the one episode where Doof, like, takes, I think it's the Luck one, where he had, like, a late night mission filling in for another agent, and then the very next morning, he's like, go see what Doof is up to, and he, like, falls asleep, and Doof has to carry him everywhere. Oh, um, yeah, I think that was the Luck one. Yeah, it's just our luck, yeah. And, like, the song in that one was one of my favorites, too, but we're not talking really about that. I'm, Yeah. The I think Perry. I'm I'm amazed he hasn't quit Alka yet. He's trying to do good. I think. Yeah. All the times they thought it was his birthday and it wasn't. Carl knew because I'm pretty sure he said. I yeah, he did. Does yeah. Just <laughs> and then he makes he makes it's monogram makes Perry wear the uh the Carl's uh, I think it's the Carl's birthday shirt. Was that was that the one? I think so. No. Okay. That's that's a, I'm I'm thinking backyard. Backyard oh, hodgepodge, Perry eats all the cake. And then that's the one where Monogram gives him a slice of cake and he, he's just like, I'm done. Yeah. The shirt one was the one where Vanessa does That's right. And he gives it to Doofenshmirtz. I guess the closest he ever got to getting vacation was in Where's Perry when he, he almost made it on vacation. Oh, yeah, because he just suddenly got called back. Because I think it was Doof again, right? right? And he, yeah, he, he intercepted a text from Doofenshmirtz. And it was like a misunderstanding. Oh, wait, there was, there was that one episode, the What Did I Miss one, where Perry went to the speech con- conference with Ferb and Agent Rhino filled in. Yeah, I remember that one. That's, that's the one where they teach the squirrels. Yeah. I'm pretty sure. That was, that was a pretty... Yeah, squirrels are... Dan Swampy loves their squirrels. Yeah, but Miley doesn't. <laughs> they took my tuna sandwich. And destroyed his tent. He didn't seem so upset at them when he destroyed when they destroyed the tent, though. He he was like, technically yeah. a stampede of squirrels in the wild isn't. Or did Melissa say that? Yeah, she did. Okay, and then yeah, Doof is still Doof in the episode. That was my last thought on it. Yeah, that's probably the one where he was most doof. Doof is doof. It was really just Phineas and Ferb misperceived Monotreme all over again. I know uh, the guys over at the the show must go wrong. We're like, it was just misperceived Monotreme over again. And I was like, yeah. Yeah, it kind of was. I think, I don't know who, which one I like their reactions better in, but I think in that one, Carl and Major Monogram's reactions were a little bit more fun. If that I whole episode was really fun because that was the one with the least likely nader and the fun house which the fun house song is one of my favorite phineas and ferb songs yeah that's when i put like i had a little list i was going to of my favorite things and i put that you one you get on. yeah you get like candace you get the whole candace and jeremy thing the fun house i need to like watch that episode again because i listen to the song all the time but i like never watch the episode and candace again. has to try and give perry a bath yeah and she she's just doing it to like to support jeremy okay so that's our review we're probably going to be doing reviews for the next couple of weeks as we go over you know in depth all of the new episodes since there's quite a few so i guess to close out the show tonight we're going to do ridiculous rumors so we kind of touched on it earlier joshua perrette one of the writers has been teasing on twitter that hashtag goulash is important as far as the show goes so what do you think hashtag goulash means and it's not meeps carbonated goulash that has been denied batteries are not included i have literally no idea what hold on i'm gonna look up the the dictionary definition of goulash and see if this can give us any hints 
Goulash is a stew of meat, usually seasoned with paprika and other spices. Originating from medieval Hungary, goulash is a popular meal predominantly eaten in Central Europe, tracing back to the 9th century, eaten by Hungarian shepherds. Mm. I, have, I have a feeling that's not what it's going to be about in Milo Murphy's Law. Probably it looks not. like just fancy mac and cheese. Mm. Like, Maybe that's why we had Milo getting plastered to the wall and Melissa and Zach with all the mac and cheese. Yeah, maybe they use that. Maybe they use that as you a know. Lesson. It's since the Josh episode, I wouldn't be surprised because he wrote that one. Like you just take it and you put yeast into the goulash and they use that. As what if it. Milo's mac and cheese becomes sentient and takes over the future? Now that would be crazy, right? All the food is going to be sentient. What is the what is the value of life when it's a food come to life? The deep questions that we can ask. This is the most ridiculous, but at the same time, kind of logical rumor to me. I know we were still on the goulash subject there, but the whole idea that some people have that Cavendish or Dakota might be related to Milo. Yes, I like, I can see it being kind of possible. Definitely. No, I I think, especially, I think Doof is probably related to Milo, given that they teased that in the crossover. We didn't touch on that. I feel like that's mostly just teasing, but I could be wrong. I did post a uh, theory on Twitter. It's pinned to the top of my page. It's uh, that Doof's origin, he was never born. He's a time loop, like the peach. Or the yeah, I remember that and one. And so, like, he just, he gets turned back into a baby like Dakota was in the, with the age regressor ray. And then at some point on a time travel adventure, he's just dropped off in Gimmelstump at the hospital. His parents are looking for an adoption and they pick him up and they actually do love him. And then it turns out they realize he's like Milo where stuff goes wrong around him. And um, so they, they start to distance themselves from him. Yeah, I remember, I remember hearing or seeing that one. Like, can you imagine? Like, because if you look back at the... Uh, the one episode, this is your backstory. When he gets off the ship to go to leave Gimmelstump, they like hug each other and they're like celebrating. His parents jumping with joy, right? Yeah. I don't know. I'm still just kind of back and forth. I don't know if that's going to be the case or not. I'm amazed if he does have extreme hereditary Murphy's Law despite not being born. I think it would be... I'm amazed that Balloony lasted as long as he did. Why is this so confusing? Oh my gosh. The, the time loops in this show are just so confusing. In theory, the whole leap year thing. Like, they shouldn't have known what leap year was if they hadn't created it yet. But then they had to go back to create it. I love that. I oh mean, gosh. I love... I love confusion. I, <laughs> it's, it's very funny. Because it's like, well, Halloween disappeared... Like, I think we saw the creation of a time loop. That's what I also think Phineas and Ferb's Quantum Boogaloo is. Like, I think if we ever saw that timeline again, what would happen is, you know, the wood steel fusion tool that uh, the kid has, the, uh, I think it's either Xavier or Fred, right? And so Isabella brings it back to Phineas, right? Yeah. So now, every time we see that time loop play through, Isabella just brings him the wood steel fusion tool, and then I think he gives it to Candace... Candace's son is like a present. I love these time loops so much. So, so like we saw the creation of a time loop, but now every time we would watch it through, it would just be what the end credit scene of that episode was with him getting the wood steel fusing tool from Isabella. 
which I think yeah. I think that's really cool. Impossible to think about, but very cool. I think the impossible thing about thing is what makes it so much fun. Exactly, because you can just talk about it. Okay, so the cabin Perry, we touched on that. There's this picture on Twitter of Perry with Cavendish's head next to an egg, and Doof is like smiling at it. I, 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 and it's on the alien ship with like the Milo, like the Milo symbols and stuff that we've seen before. It is still like, well, it's the funniest and creepiest thing I've seen from them. I think this is from the 45 minute mid season special. I feel like they're going to do something along the lines of missing Milo for a mid season. That would be cool. I like when they get those longer episodes. Yeah. Missing Milo, I think is my favorite of all of them. It's just so, so well done, you know? Yeah. Just all the characters get their time to shine. Yeah. And you kind of get to see Cameron and Dakota. Coming to the spotlight. They kind of realize well, at least Cavendish is not as bad as I thought. Yeah. And then we also have Josh's robot sketch where he said, you know, so you, you have the two Spanish episodes that haven't come out in English yet, and there's a robot part to that. Yes. But I feel like there's something more, especially when you get to Sid, who came back this season, and the fact that he said, you know, we'll remember you when robots take over the world. Yeah, that line, I don't know if he's trying to throw us off or not. I, I I can't help but see that they thought ahead for so much stuff for season two, like the title of the first episode with Sid and with, with Sid and Victor Verlazer and Clyde was called a clockwork origin. And just now in this season, the episode was about, you know, them fixing the clock. Whereas yeah. clockwork had like nothing to do with that episode, but it was like, it was setting up for this one. So and then you have Josh who said that he has plans for like Orton if it gets renewed for season three to bring Orton back. So like there's I that... that line. I missed that comment. Oh, you missed that one? Yeah, I don't think I remember hearing that. Yeah, he uh it was it was in one of the ones with uh with uh Layla. Who and she was asking, you know, well what do you have he's like, Well we've we've talked about season three and where it would go. And we do have a plan to bring back Orton if it gets that far. But for season two, you're probably not going to see him after the crossover. It was kind of the the gist of that conversation. Well, now that makes me want a season three more. <laughs> I know. He, Orton was one of my favorite characters. I liked him. I feel like he matched the naivety of Doofenshmirtz. It was a really nice pairing, especially with pressure and everything. But just as a character, you know, his whole... Like, he's trying to figure out you know, who he wants to be and such. And also the whole Dr. Zone show is a time loop as well, since Milo, yeah. you know, gave him all the information. And you... there was someone who, like, made a comment. They're like, so Cavendish's clothes are based off, uh, or no, it was Orton's outfit for Dr. Zone is based off of Cavendish, whose outfit is based off of Dr. or Professor Time, whose outfit is probably based off of Cavendish's. I know, it's it's so funny because they all have the hat with the glasses and the whole... Did you notice that uh, Orton's backpack disappeared like when they were on the island and then it came back for the finale? I did not realize that. I only noticed that because I noticed... Because uh, I was comparing the outfits like you were saying and Professor Time is wearing the the three light bulb like backpack like Dr. Zone. I want to see the future with Doof and Orton's friendship and Doof and Cavendish's friendship and all the happy ending stuff that they tease. 
it it kind of reminds me of if th- this is the show's missing Milo is the crossover because missing Milo for Orton that was the end of his story, and then we we had to go back and see how he made it there. So the crossover is the end game of the whole show with Doofenshmirtz becoming Professor Time. So now we have to work back up to that. People always say time travel is confusing, but I don't think it's more confusing in any other show than this. It's it's because they change. Like in some in some parts, the replicas disappear. In some parts, the replicas stay. In some parts, people remember things when time changes. In other parts, people don't remember things when time changes. In my- Bradley keeping the arm. I think I think that was just a joke. I don't I don't think that had anything to do with time yeah. travel. It was just it was just Bradley being. It was just the writers like. Okay, let's do something funny. Picking on, picking Essentially, on. Essentially, yes. I still think it's going to go somewhere, though. Yeah, I, I'm excited to see where they go with the arcs. Elliot's only gotten one episode. Amanda's gotten a lot more sc- of screen time so far, which I've appreciated. The Amanda episodes are some of my favorites, too. Definitely. I love how they've developed her character so far. But we'll get to that more next week and in future episodes of a Miracle or a Milo podcast. And ironically, we went through this entire episode without talking about the line in Snow Way Out where Melissa says a miracle or a Milo and plugging our own show. So that is impressive. (laughs) So that concludes our episode for this week. As far as the ridiculous rumors, I think I think we can all agree that Josh's robot sketch means that Norm is going to try and take over the human race and turn them into humans. I think I think that's what we can uh, attain from that. That's why, that's why they're dropping all the squirrel comments. Exactly, because, you know, Norm is run on squirrel power, so, like, you know, the squirrels are gonna, like, force him to... I, I, it's gonna it's gonna be crazy. There's gonna be talking squirrels, robots, aliens, a cabin parry, and Meep's carbonated goulash that's not Meep's carbonated goulash without batteries. All coming in to make a 45-minute special. That's gonna be crazy. Alrighty, everybody, thank you so much for listening to the very first episode of A Miracle or Milo. We hope you enjoyed it, and we'll see you next week. It's my world and we're all living in it. All credit goes to Fizzy on YouTube for recording the Milo Murphy's Law instrumental theme. The original Milo Murphy's Law theme song is copyright Disney 2018, as well as all the characters and things that we discuss. Any copyrighted content from Milo Murphy's Law in this production is used to enhance our opinions and commentary on the show.